What up, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Square Circle Podcast. I am your host, Marie Shadows, and on this episode of the Square Circle Podcast, we are going to be continuing our G1 Climax 33 coverage. Today is July 25th, 2023. The matches we're going to go over are A and B blocks for today. However, a word from our sponsors. Did you ever wanted to start your own podcast, but you didn't know where to start, what to do, what to say, or even how to format it and make it into an audio episode? Well, I have the solution for you guys, and that is Zencaster. Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R, Zencaster. Zencaster has it all, ladies and gentlemen. Zencaster makes all of my podcasting and content needs super affordable, super available, and just sounds super good. They have all the tools you need to make very impressive podcast episodes. So let me talk about it. You don't necessarily need to have expensive equipment because Zencaster has your back. Zencaster is able to remove the ums and the ahs in your audio shows, as well as making sure that all the levels are evenly distributed because you do not want any of your fans to blow out their eardrums because the sound is way too loud in the early parts, the middle parts, or just loud altogether if they're listening on headphones. You don't want that for your audience. You want nice, smooth, clean, crisp audio from start to finish. And that's one of the tools that Zencaster gives you to start your podcasting journey. The other cool features is that you can do audio and video podcasting. You can invite guests. All you have to do is just send them a link. They can open that link in their browser source, whether it's on their desktop, laptop, iPad, phone, basically any device. They don't have to download anything extra. They don't have to sign up for an account. They could just click that link, bam, pops up in the browser source, and you guys can start having an interview in like two seconds or less. If you happen to do video podcasting, all of your metrics, all your analytics go up tenfold. You'll have better audience insight. You'll have better audience retention. People like to watch videos. They like to put the voice to the face. So that is a very good option to have for video, including audio as well. So these are all the tools that Zencaster provides for you. And if you join now, like don't wait, don't hesitate. The start of your podcasting journey can definitely change your life. Me starting the Square Circle podcast definitely changed my life. So all you have to do is go to Zencaster.com forward slash pricing and use my special code SCP to get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. I want you to have the same easy experiences I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time for you to share your story with the world. Again, go to Zencaster.com forward slash pricing. That is Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R dot com forward slash pricing and just use my special code S-C-P to get that 30% off. Take advantage of the solution and make sure that the world hears your story because it is time to share your story. All right, let's jump into talking about today's G1 Climax 33 for A and B blocks. 
We start off with B Block Osprey versus the Great Okan. This was a fantastic match, a really good showing between both of these guys. Both of them are in the United Empire, so this was inevitable that they were going to meet in this tournament to fight. And I really do like when team members fight each other, but not in the sense of like, oh, they're going to break up because that seems to be like the WWE thing to do. But in tournaments like this, just to see who is the best, just to have combat fights, I do appreciate when team members do have really great, awesome matches. The most surprising part in this match is the Great Okan using chairs to Will Ospreay. Like hitting him in the back with chairs and then doing the miss to Will Ospreay. There were several suplexes with the pin combination because for some reason, the Great Okan has put so much pressure on himself to rack up wins and at least be in the lead in this G1. The Great Okan has been taking the approach to try to do amateur wrestling to try and trip up other wrestlers that he's facing against because most wrestlers don't really go back to an amateur wrestling background and try to really implement that in their whole entire fundamental and arsenal. Yes, we could say that chain wrestling and really being a technical wrestler can help in those situations. And that's like the modification to amateur wrestling. But the Great Okan has tried to use that to his advantage, the amateur wrestling. We did not really see it here with Osprey, which was kind of interesting. But we did see the Great Okan take matters into his own hands, do things very underhandedly to try to get the one up so he could get the victory over Osprey. But no matter what the Great Okan did, Osprey had an answer for most of that kind of stuff. Osprey did multiple hook kicks to the Great Okan, ended up doing the Oz Cutter, but the Great Okan kicks out. They trade blows back and forth. It wasn't until Will Osprey does the Leap of Fate, which is the Sky Twister, he just renamed it. Goes for the cover, one, two, three. And Will Ospreay picks up two points in this G1 Climax 33. Now for today's show, it will definitely show you something a little bit different in terms of sportsmanship. So we all know that the Great Ocon has been struggling. Will Ospreay has one loss in this tournament as he lost to Tai Chi. And you guys already know how I feel about that match. But all the rest of the matches he's won, including this one against the Great Okan. The Great Okan has put so much pressure on himself that even during the G1, he said no comment about what he's going to do and all this kind of stuff for the G1. He's like, no comment. He has been keeping to himself and has definitely been wanting some more wins. The Great Okan is capable of getting all these victories, and it is kind of difficult to say who's going to win, who's not going to win. In this case, the Great Okan needed a win, but then thinking about it, if he did win over Osprey, that would be a lot to take in. That would be a lot to decipher because... Whether or not Will Ospreay wants to accept it, he is the leader of the United Empire. This is his project. This is his baby. So as the leader of the United Empire, if he did lose to the Great Okan, that will raise a lot of questions that might end up causing some tension, even though they're all going to be boys and they understand that this is a combat fight. However, it's still going to be very bothersome in the back of his mind that he lost to one of his teammates and 
isn't going to get the two points in this tournament. And then that means the Great Ocon can challenge Osprey for that IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship title because he got the pin over him and most likely management would be like yeah that'd be a cool idea we could do that booking and picking winners are like difficult in this situation however the great Ocon did a fantastic job against osprey osprey had a really good match with the great Ocon, and osprey again gets those two points for his g1 climax 33 match against the great Ocon. our next match is a block shoulder umino versus gabe kidd Gabe comes out with that surprise attack. Shota didn't realize it at all. Gabe starts fighting Shota into the crowd. We go into the ring finally. Gabriel Kidd comes in with that huge rebound lariat. Shota kicks out. There's a suplex to Shota on the apron. The exploded to Shota. The face plant twisting lariat to Gabe Kidd. This is when Shota finally tries to get some offense in. The fisherman suplex, but Gabe kicks out. And then some elbows to Gabe as well. They exchange shots. At one point, Shota does that DDT from the outside to the inside on Gabe. There's almost a ref bump. Shota stops the low blow. We get the European uppercut. Then we get Ignition, which is Shota's finisher, his other finisher. The ref is thrown into Shota's way. Gabriel Kidd comes in with a closed fist. A suplex, a cover, shoulder kicks out. That's not going to keep him down. However, towards the end, Shota does do Death Rider, which is John Moxie's other move whenever he's in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Goes for the cover, one, two, three. Shota gets two points. Now, the interesting thing is that Gabe is, I'm just going to say it. Gabe is playing the character. He might disagree with me. He might be like, oh, no, this is my personal side. This is just me being me. But you do need to form some type of character as a shield, as a guard, because this is still a business. It's still an entertainment business. And most people cannot distinguish between a character being played and what's the real thing. And so, you know, I don't mind what Gabriel Kidd does. And he might get upset at me for calling him Gabriel all the time if he ever listens to my podcast episode. But I don't mind what he does. It's just that now he might have to really rethink how he approaches things. Because he came in here guns blazing, attacking Shoda in the crowd, and finally taking him to the ring and spitting on Shoda and then yelling to the president who was in attendance saying that, is this your ace? Well, I'm the ace and, you know, shit talking. He's doing everything good. He has all the talent in the world. I see it. I understand what he's doing. I just think now at this point in this G1 tournament at this stage, he might need to refocus and change up his style a little bit rather than being the unhinged Gabe kid. He could still be unhinged, but be smart about being unhinged because the only person that stopped his blindsided attack is Ren Narita. Everyone else got taken advantage of as if like they don't watch him. And I'm like, well, at this time, he's been doing it over and over and over again. Why are you not watching or tape study your opponents in your block to know how to defeat them? Like this is a tournament where you should be tape studying the people that you fight or are going to fight next. So I do think that eventually Gabe is going to have to switch up his style so he can rack up more wins 
even though David Finley is like, bring bodies or bring gold. Our next match is B Block, Taichi versus Kenta. This was a fun little match. Kenta and Taichi start off with a contest to see which of the fans love better because both of them are champions. Taichi is the king of pro wrestling champion and Kenta just got the Defy championship title over here in the States. And so Yoshinobu was there as the referee for this and Yoshinobu raises the hand of Taichi. Kenta didn't like it, goes and kicks Yoshinobu, throws him out and then hits Taichi with the Defy belt. And then the bell gets rung and Kenta goes for a cover. Taichi kicks out. It's not going to be that simple. Taichi does the same thing. Move and cover to which Kenta kicks out. Kenta then decides to rip off Tai Chi's pants. By the way, it is way too early to rip off Tai Chi's pants. Tai Chi usually rips off his pants when he's going into second gear in a match. And that's when you know it's probably going to head towards the finish of the match, give or take. But it's letting people know that, all right, now Tai Chi is in this mode and he's gonna destroy everybody so kenta decides to take off his pants early that's not a really good idea both of them are grabbing each other and kenta grabs the referee they go through these like rolls and then somehow the referee gets pushed to the side oh look a ref bump what bullet club match you know does not have a ref bump other than like any of david finley's matches Taichi, by this time, has a clutch pin on Kenta. Kenta is securely down, but because there's no referee, no count. So Kenta goes and gets the belt. Taichi turns around, and Kenta uses the belt to block Taichi's kick. This hurts Taichi's shin. Kenta goes for the low blow on Taichi, goes for the roll-up. The referee sees this, counts one, two, three, and Kenta gets two points. Nothing out of the ordinary there, nothing too grand, nothing too big. I will say that Taichi is really having a great G1 Climax 33. Kenta is having fun too. Something has awakened in Kenta since he fought Osprey. So that's a very good, good thing. Now we have A Block, Yoda Suji versus Chase Owens. This was a good match. Suji's in the lead of this match. Chase then ends up snapping Suji's neck across the ropes. After they had a series of counters, but Chase managed to do that. Chase ends up hitting Suji's lower back with his forearm. And then he counters Suji's wheelbarrow with a crossface. But Suji is not going to give up. Suji ends up doing a knee to Chase. Suji comes in with the spear. Chase does the C-trigger to Suji while he's in midair. Goes for the cover, but Suji kicks out. They're trading blows back and forth. We got that power bomb. We get a headbutt from Suji, that curve stomp that I say that can rival Seth Rollins at any time. We have a cover. Chase kicks out. But in order to put this match away, Suji comes in with a spear, gets the one, two, three, and Suji gets two points in his G1 Climax 33 over Chase. There's not too much story bits for this one. The ultimate goal is that Suji wants to fight Sonata eventually again and take that belt from Sonata. Our next match is B-Block, Tungaloa versus ELP. This is where I want to talk about the difference 
in showmanship. But then again, I understand story and I understand dynamics. But Tungaloa is coming back from injury, like I mentioned before. ELP is going through the motions of knowing that his family members passed away and he's in this tournament. He's in Japan rather than being with his family. These two have a test of strength in the very beginning. ELP tries to chop Loa. By the way, Loa does not have a shirt on. Loa took off his shirt. However, Loa is very smart and pokes ELP in the eye to stop him from chopping him. We get a super kick. We get a cannonball to Loa that senton into a moonsault combination ELP does. It looks really, really good. We get the spear out of midair, a suplex to ELP, side slam to ELP, the falcon arrow to ELP, and none of this puts ELP away. We get that delayed vertical suplex that gets turned into a jackhammer. We have this huge top rope powerbomb to ELP. How the fuck do you kick out of a huge ass powerbomb from the top rope? How do you kick out of that? When all the breath from your body expels from your body from your lungs you get what i mean like i don't understand how he kicked out well elp kicks out and as loa goes for his finisher which is ape shit and it sounds like eat shit elp manages to do the crucifix pin on loa and gets the one two three on loa elp gets his first two points in the g1 climax 33 now, this is where I want to talk a little bit about the different types of showmanship, because technically I would have liked Loa to get two points in the G1. They probably gave it to ELP because Loa is just that nice and he understood. And I think that because ELP had that promo that, you know, he gets two points. It might have been given to him that way, but that's how I look at it. That's how I see it. That's how it felt. Just because Loa is a little bit more better than EOP, EOP can go. He can, he could go, but Loa has a lot more strength, a lot more muscle than EOP. EOP has his height going for him and has his speed going for him. But as we know that with powerhouses, you can do a couple of really huge power moves and that should slow down the match significantly in a realistic world. That is what I'm basing it on for me wanting Loa to win is basing it on the fact that he's a powerhouse. ELP is not really a powerhouse. Like if you get rocked by his forearm, okay, you're probably exhausted. But in the early setting, if he does a forearm to you, that shit ain't going to hurt. That shit ain't going to bring you down to a knee. So in contrast... With the first match of the night, which is Will Ospreay versus The Great Okan, The Great Okan has put out a purpose for winning. He has not said what he wants to do, but we know that the winner of the G1 ends up getting an IWGP World Heavyweight Championship title shot. And so that means something to The Great Okan, and him losing every now and then for his matches is not really looking good. ELP is still trying to find himself. ELP is still trying to find friends, still trying to find an island and trying to prove himself in this G1 that he has turned over a new leaf, that he is a good guy. And I think that it would have been better for his story arc to basically go through the whole entire tournament with zero points to learn some lessons and use that to be a better wrestler, use that to be a better storyteller 
because even in defeat, you win because you learn these lessons. Like it could be a whole philosophical thing for why ELP is going to turn out to be a better wrestler at the end of this tournament if he were to go straight through zero. The same thing with Alex Coughlin. Alex Coughlin is still at zero points. They threw ELP a bone. Are they going to throw Alex Coughlin a bone? Because both of these guys suffered almost the same thing in their stories that they tell the whole world. So is Alex Coughlin going to get a bone thrown at him on Wednesday when we see him compete in the D block? And for those of you listening, if you think that I have no empathy, no compassion, no anything like I'm looking at this from the show must always go on. It is very tragic. It is very, I get it, but you do have to do what's best for business. You have to do what's best for story. You have to do what's best for character growth. And yeah, the two points could be encouraging to ELP, but does that mean that he's going to win his next match? No, he's probably not. His next match is against Kenta, and he knows what Kenta is capable of. Kenta has all the tricks of the trade. Like, you don't get one over on Kenta unless you really outsmart him. And from the past other matches that we've seen with El Fantasmo, he's trying to get rid of the comedic side of him, but it's still there. But Kenta is a very serious wrestler, so you have to really match Kenta on his level. Trust me, guys, I care about these guys and their stories. But again, I'm looking at it from a business point of view. I'm looking at it from a story point of view and a character growth point of view. So if you don't like that, I said that El Fantasmo should have stayed with zero throughout the whole thing and learn something philosophical and speak in his promos in a very philosophical way of like what he learned for each of the losses to become a better person and maybe form his own team or finally find an island where they can accept him and he could be a better wrestler, then I don't know, to each their own. I'm just saying, don't get mad at me if you really disagree with what I said there. Our next match is A Block, Ren Narita versus Hikaleo. This match, it felt like it went on way too long, even though these are 20-minute matches. This should have definitely been a very quick, short match because Hikaleo is way much stronger than Renarita, way more taller than Renarita. Renarita was having trouble with Hikaleo, trying to at least get Hikaleo down to the mat so that way Renarita could feel comfortable. Hikaleo was doing everything in his power to make Renarita feel uncomfortable. There were a lot of things that really didn't need to happen. We didn't need a wrestling match. We didn't need a match at all. This could have been a very short victory for Hikaleo to showcase his power. And you might be like, well, that's a little unfair. It's actually not. Renarita is a straight, thoroughbred, technical wrestler, a Shibata mini-me, and someone that only thinks in wrestling fundamentals and nothing else spectacular out of that little bubble is really not going to make a really huge impact against Hikaleo, who's close to seven feet tall, has this muscle and this strength, and can definitely tower you and put you away very easily. So, just to get to the ending of this match, Hikaleo finally does Godsend, which is a choke slam. And goes for the cover, one, two, three. Hikaleo finally gets two points in his G1 Climax 33 match. Yes, Hikaleo finally gets two points in his match. 
The other matches he should have got points for because he's a big dude. I don't understand why the so-called veterans have to like take advantage of it just to get points for, you know, that their story isn't going to go anywhere. If anything, because Hikaleo is the tallest dude in this whole entire tournament, the strongest dude in this tournament, you got to make him like a monster. You can't just have him fight these guys who are wrestlers where like they try to do moves on a big guy with long ass legs and think that they're going to win or have him get tapped out. There are special occasions, again, that 1% where Hikaleo might fuck up and end up losing. But in reality... Hikaleo can fuck everybody up. And I don't know why New Japan does not play towards the strengths of Hikaleo, the strengths of Alex Coughlin, the strengths of Jeff Cobb, like on a daily basis. It might get boring. It might get repetitive. But, you know, in a realistic world, that should happen if New Japan is all about, like, let's at least bring some realism into this. Now, I understand Suspension of disbelief needs to happen in these matches, but let's not try to make it a wrestling match. So, again, Hikaleo, congratulations to him for getting two points against Ren Narita. Also, fun fact, if you guys didn't know, when Jay White was still in New Japan Pro Wrestling, they did a Loser Leaves Japan, and it was Hikaleo versus Jay White. Hikaleo kicked out Jay White that first time. So why the fuck is Hikaleo not going to be prompted up to be like, this is the guy that kicked out Jay White. Your beloved Switchblade is no longer here in New Japan because of Hikaleo. Like, why are we not doing that story for this G1 as his basis for being in the G1? Like, Hikaleo got into the G1 because he defeated Jay White, who has been great in New Japan Pro Wrestling and in every G1 that he has entered. Like, that would have been the story I would have went for Hikaleo. Our semi-main event is B-Block, Okada versus Yoshihashi. This match was great. I enjoyed it. It was really good back and forth. It was really a testament to see how far Yoshihashi came. And there were a couple instances where he almost got Okada in those near fall predicaments. And it was amazing. You know, Okada gave Yoshihashi a run for his money. And so did Yoshihashi give Okada a run for his money in order to slow down this match because Okada was definitely in danger. Okada decided to put on the money clip, which is his submission move on Yoshihashi. Whenever Okada brings out the money clip, that's basically like a way to say... He doesn't respect that person enough, but he definitely respects Yoshihashi and used it as a way to slow down the match. Because if not, Okada would have not kicked out and then we would have been celebrating Yoshihashi, but that's not the case here. So even though Okada put in the money clip, he lets it go. Yoshihashi falls to the mat, very exhausted. Okada comes in with a wrist control and then loses wrist control. There's that drop kick to Yoshihashi. We have five minutes left where we have landslide, Yoshihashi with the various pins and counter. But Okada manages to do landslide one more time. Then the Rainmaker as a statement goes for the cover. One, two, three. Okada gets two points in his G1 Climax 33. He ends up fist bumping Yoshihashi because that match was incredible both of them respect each other and Okada could have lost 
there was a lot of doubt that came into my mind from watching this match because it was so good. Our main event for the G1 Climax 33 A and B blocks is A Block Sonata versus Kaito Kiyomiya. Let me just quickly say that I was bored during the first half of this match, and I know that Sonata was allowing Kaito to get his stuff in and show off for the crowd, and the crowd reaction was the only thing I cared about in this match. The crowd in Kurikan are always loud, they're always boisterous like they really let people know how they feel they cheer for who they want to cheer they boo who they want to boo it's really a fun time Corican hall makes you feel like a rock star and that's what i really really love about when they ever go to Corican hall to wrestle so if you're on the internet and if you're on twitter and you scroll through and you see a particular tweet that says that japanese fans are upset about whatever the case may be for whatever match they saw, that's fucking bullshit. I need to reiterate this, that depending on where the wrestlers go, the crowds are always going to be different. In places like Tokyo and Sapporo, they know what wrestling is. They may not know wrestling like us here in America, where we know almost about everything or try to know almost about everything. But for the most part, we're not dumb to what wrestling is and behind the scenes because the curtain has been pulled back so far that I don't know if we're ever going to get back to kayfabe. I try my very best to get it back to kayfabe, but we will leave it as is. Now, in other places in Japan that are farther away from the main important cities that always get talked about when you go out into the urban areas, the farmland, and they host wrestling shows there, they're a lot more quieter. They're a lot more respectful. They're not going to really be voicing their opinions. They might know the older wrestlers, but they're not going to know the newer wrestlers and even some of the foreign wrestlers because the advertisement doesn't reach out that far over there. They know that they have an audience over there into like the farmland area, the urban area, but it's not as huge as if you get into the city. So wherever they go, the audiences are going to be different. So you can't necessarily be like, oh, because you didn't hear anything. Oh, that's bad for New Japan. No, shut the fuck up and listen to me. The audiences, when they go and purchase their ticket to watch any New Japan event or like NOAA event or All Japan Wrestling event, any type of wrestling event, they are super respectful to the sport and what it means to be a wrestler, what it means to have a wrestling promotion. They are way more respectful than here in the States. So I would say this, do not listen to anyone online that will want to disparage or not encourage people to seek out Japanese wrestling because they're like, oh, the fans are always quiet. The fans are this, the fans are that. The fans left angrily during a match. That happened like maybe two times. And Kevin Kelly was right there to report it live on commentary that he saw people leaving because their favorite loss, which is understandable. They either left because their favorite loss or they don't want to be in traffic. One of the two. But do not trust anybody on the Internet that says that they want to bridge Japanese wrestling or pure wrestle. I know I fucked that up. Wrestling and American wrestling and fans together like they don't know. I know because I ask the questions. I know because I talk to people and I can see it once I talk to people 
And once I watch a show and you guys could come along to kick.com forward slash Marie Shadows to watch it with me and we can watch various matches from the different areas that they've been through throughout the whole entire G1 Climax. And you'll notice a difference in the audience and how they react to the wrestlers. So Kirk and Hall is always going to treat you like a rock star. But somewhere in like Sendai, you might not get that same reaction. Okay, back to Sonata versus Kaito. Like I said, in the very first half of this match, I was bored. This is why sometimes Sonata matches are a hit or miss for me, depending on who he's fighting, because I understand the psychology of what Sonata is trying to do. But again, dude, it's like, to me, I was just freaking bored. We had Kaito working on Sonata's arm. And I always say working on a body part is a very good thing, but Kaito was just really slowing down the match. And I'm like, yo, there's 20 minutes in this match. It is not 30. It is not 40. It is not 50. This is not a Wrestle Kingdom match where you could go like close to an hour in wrestling and just doing holds. This is a 20 minute match. Get in, beat the shit out of your opponent and get two points and leave and go party until the next time you have to go fight somebody else in this tour. So as Kaito is still working on Sonata's arm, Sonata manages to turn the tides a little bit. So that way now it's all Sonata at this point. Kaito manages to sneak in some offenses too, some shiny wizards, some suplexes. We get a half and half power bomb to Sonata. Sonata kicks out of that. We get that pop-up TKO on Kaito. And both of these men are exhausted at this point. The announcers and commentators mentioned that there's 20 seconds left. We get a shiny wizard and then we get that cover. And Sonata manages to get his two points in a matter of seconds. So the total time for Sonata versus Kaito was 19 minutes and 58 seconds. Sonata got those two points in a matter of two seconds before it went to time limit. Now, I will say that the ending of that, the sequence of that was amazing. And it got everybody on the edge of their seat. Everybody was really cheering and hollering. And in two seconds, Sonata managed to get the two points. Now, just for the record, I don't mind slow matches. And you guys know me. I love technical wrestling, but there has to be a little bit more for me to care about than just let me work on your arm. Let me do arm drags. Let me do an arm hold. You know, like there has to be a little bit more behind it, a little more urgency or something. It just felt like Sonata was like, what the fuck is this kid doing? All right, my time now. All right, let me show you how it is to be a champion. And then we get down to the last part where it was just like 30 seconds, 20 seconds, 10 seconds. And then the last two seconds, that's when Sonata ends up getting two points. Kaito has been very good in this G1. Everyone has been very good in this G1. You know, I just really wanted more out of this match. And I think the ending of this match is what I really like the most. The beginning, not too much. But again, like I said, Sonata gets two points in his G1 Climax 33. All right, let's talk about the scoreboard, the leaderboard, who has the most points, who's in the lead for July 25th, 2023. We are going to start with A Block. Sonata has a total of eight points. Shota Umino at four, Ren Narita at two, 
Yoda Suji at three, Hikaleo at two, Chase Owens at four, Gabe Kidd at four, Kaito Kiyomiya at five. Let's see who's in the lead for B Block for July 25th, 2023. Okada with eight points, Yoshihashi with four points, Tungalova with two, El Fantasma with two, Taichi with four, Will Ospreay with six, Great Okan with two, Kenta with four. So currently right now as it stands for B Block, Okada has the eight points, Will Ospreay has the six points. They are currently in the lead. We are tied between Yoshihashi, Taichi, and Kenta with all four points, and we're tied with Loa, El Fantasmo, and the Great Okan with two points. For A Block, we're going back to that one. For A Block, we currently have Sonata in the lead with eight. We currently have Shota Umino, Chase Owens, and Gabe Kidd with four points. We have Ren Narita and Hikaleo with two points. We have Suji by himself with three points and Kaito by himself with five points. So as we get closer to August and down to the finals, it's going to be very, very interesting to see who's going to make it there. Who is your pick for the finals and why? This same question will be on the Spotify Q&A portion when this episode goes up on Spotify and gets distributed everywhere on all podcasting platforms. So please make sure to go answer that question on the Spotify Q&A because I would greatly love to read and pin your answers for who you want in the finals or who you think would be in the finals. So who are your picks and or who do you think would be in the finals come August? So please make sure to go and answer that Q&A on Spotify, and I will be forever grateful for that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to this review of the G1 Climax 33. This is really going to be named Two Seconds. It's going to be hilarious. Thank you for sharing this. Thank you for telling a friend. Thank you for signing up to the Square Circle Society Discord. It is a wrestling discord where we talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling, AEW, WWE, Major League Wrestling. I give you guys insight and peek behind the curtain for what I do in the wrestling business. I am now a commentator for smaller promotions. I am the Goddesses Award commentator, and I'm looking to make my name in other places for commentary work. So please sign up to the Square Circle Society Discord. That link will be down in the description below. Also sign up to the wrestling newsletter, Square Circle Society. That is an extension of everything that we do here with a lot more info. And you can find a lot more content on that newsletter as well. Newsletters get sent to your inbox where you can read, share, and tell the world about the amazing work that you see there. You can also follow me on kick.com forward slash Marie Shadows. I'm going to be streaming there soon. And I'm part of the stream team on the kick community. If you guys don't know about the kick community, you guys can sign up there too, as well. If you're a streamer content creator, you get to network with other people. You get to collaborate with other people. I'll have their discord link down in the description below. And last but not least, I know that Twitter has been rebranded to X. But for the sake of everything that is awesome, 
please follow my Twitter account at Marie underscore shadows. That's the best way to reach me for anything to slide into my DMs, to share my content, to talk with me or anything like that. And to know when I go live on kick, to know when I post something in the discord. So follow me on Twitter at Marie underscore shadows to make my life easier. I will be updating my Canva site, which is a website with like everything on there. I make my life easier one day. I'll update that. But I do want to say thank you guys for listening, sharing, commenting, and letting the world know that wrestling is great. Wrestling is in a really great boom right now. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to an episode of the Square Circle Podcast. I am your host, Marie Shadows, and I'll see you guys on the next one.